We have two readings today. The first is from Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 24 to 28, and that's on page 868 in the Church Bibles. So Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 24. The Lord says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. And our second reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. And that's on page 1002. So Mark 1, starting at verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Thanks, Susie. Let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we've uh, just sung 
a moment ago, not for ease shall we pray, but for strength to walk with you each day. And so help us to mean that. We do pray it. Uh, we tremble at times with things that cause us to struggle, but help us as we uh, read your word together to be persuaded again that you are good and that everything you say to us is good and to respond uh, with faith to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, good morning again. I don't know, have you had the experience of, of driving to a beach holiday, perhaps? You're in the car for hours. Maybe the car's packed. Maybe you've got animals in the car with you as well. I don't know how you go on holiday, but you, you drive for hours. It's a bit hot, and you're getting a bit tired. And then a voice comes from perhaps the back seat that says those magical words, I can see the sea. You had those moments, and everybody is straining at that moment, even the driver, to try and get the first glimpse. It's Scotland, so it doesn't look much like sea if you're trying to strain still to see. But there is sea over there. But you know that feeling of you're all straining in the car to get your first glimpse of uh, the deep, deep blue as you head on holiday. You see the sea. You get to the edge of the sea. You go into the sea. And if it's a holiday in the UK, the cold overwhelms you straight away. Dad's had enough in five minutes. Kids want more after five hours. The holidays have begun. It's the beginning of the holidays. But now we're into September, and for most of us, the holidays are over. But we've got other things that are beginning now, and they could feel overwhelming in a different way. Maybe it's a new school term. For most of us, though, heading to school, it's groans, really. It's groans and tiredness. But I know for some families, it's much more than that. It's overwhelming. Some families, it's really difficult. Your families have additional needs, and any change in routine is so difficult, it, it overwhelms. Maybe that's how you're feeling at the start of September. Change in vicar, beginning. More on that next week. Do come. But I guess it could feel overwhelming for all sorts of people. Maybe it's the energy prices, even now beginning to bite. You might be thinking about your bills, or for those of you in Pathfinders, teenagers, it, it's not so much you that pays the bills, but you've begun to hear other people talk in quite anxious ways. And it's quite unsettling for you. Friends, well, it might be something else, but friends, what are we to do? What are we to do? We who are loved by the Lord. What are we to do when we begin to feel overwhelmed? It's interesting. Mark, in a sense, this book that we're going to go through this term or begin to go through, says, let me show you someone who will overwhelm you. And here he gives us, in this reading we've had, if you like, he gives us a glimpse uh, if you like, of the deep, deep blue of God's kindness towards you. See verse 1? Do you if you've got a Bible open in front of you? The beginning, the beginning of the good news about Jesus. I know it's, it's a little bit warm this morning. If you've zoned out, tune back in and hear this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus. That word beginning there, it can mean when something starts, but it can also mean where it comes from, like the source. Jesus himself, Mark's saying, is the beginning of the good news. It's where it comes from. Who is he, Mark? Who is this Jesus? Now, when you go on holiday, what kind of a packer are you? 
What kind of a Packers or your family? I, I kind of, I dream of this. This is my dream for packing. Some of you are looking at it thinking, yeah, that, that's normal. That's what everyone should do. I fear I'm more like this. This is, this is what my packing's like. You read the beginning of Mark, you have that picture in mind, and you realize he writes like the second type of packer. He's always trying to squash loads in. Who is Jesus, you ask him? Mark says, verse 1, he's the Messiah, the Son of God. And there's lots of Old Testament ideas packed into that. They describe God's promised chosen king who'd rescue and rule the world. But that's not all. In verse 3, Mark implies Jesus is, what? Jesus is the Lord. That's God. In a minute, we'll hear God the Father speak. We'll be shown God the Spirit, and here's God the Son, one God who's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And from the get-go, we're being told God the Son has taken on a human nature. He stepped into space-time history. God's become a public man, if you like, for everyone to see, men and women, boys and girls. And Mark zipped all of that up like he's holiday packing into 11 verses. And if you've got that, that's who we're talking about. If you've got that, come and see why Mark says, this one, this one is where the good news begins. Two things, two things about Jesus really easy to remember this morning. First one's this. Everything we are not, he is. And everything that we need, he gives. Two things to remember. Everything we're not, he is. Everything we need, he gives. Look, here's the first thing. Everything we're not, he is. What do I mean? For most of us, there's certain things we're not, and that's okay, isn't it? Most of us won't play football like Eric Harland. If you watched him, Man City, what a disappointment yesterday. He didn't get a hat-trick. Um, he's been knocking them in in the past few weeks. Most of us are not going to be like him. Most of us want to get to play at the, the Reading Festival and bands like Wallows. Most of us are not going to travel to the moon when NASA eventually get there again. We're not those people. And that's okay. Neither do we need the, the kind of toxic comparisons that you sometimes find on social media, saying you've got to look this way or act this way. We don't have to be those people, and that really is okay. We're not those people. But there are other things where you begin to feel, I'm not sure I am who I should be. And there's issues of identity. The envy that lurks when you visit somebody else's home. You find yourself with a, a home in Cambridge, but it's a bit smaller than others, and you, you wish you had the bigger one. Or the frustration that boils when family don't do what you want. It just seems to come from within you. Or the desires that come to mind that I really wish didn't. And you feel there is a right and I feel in the wrong, there's, there's something that you're not. What do you do? When you feel kind of overwhelmed by those identity questions, it's why in verse 4, when, when John the Baptist, in our reading, starts talking about sin and forgiveness, people are not saying, what are you talking about, John? No, they flood to him. The sense is much more like, at last, 
somewhere where we can be honest. Mark's saying right at the beginning of this story about Jesus that he's going to put before us, you're not crazy when you feel like that about yourself, but he's saying, let me show you Jesus because everything we are not, he is. Remember, he's, he's packing lots in. Look, look at verses 12 and 13. If you glance down at those, if you've got the Bible open in front of you, verses 12 and 13, Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He's with the wild animals. Now, that's got, it's got echoes of the Old Testament stories in it. 40 days in the wilderness sounds like God's people. 40 years in the wilderness. They were tempted. They failed. Or you go back even further in the Bible, and you remember Adam, the, the first public man, if you like, in Genesis. You remember in that Genesis account, he was with the wild animals. And one of them, Satan, Satan came as one of them. And he was tempted. And he failed. Now, in the Bible's thinking, that explains part of our identity questions. Why do I mess up? Why do I feel there's something I'm not? And the Bible's saying is we're all, if you like, in Adam. He's the public man that speaks for all of us, women and men. We're, we're linked to him, and we echo his failure, all of us. And we do things wrong. It leaves us cut off from God. That's why we feel something's not right. But you, you understand what Mark's saying. Look, a, a new public man has come, a man for everyone. And Mark says he's the perfect man. When he was tempted, he didn't fail. He never snapped at his sister. He never used being tired as an excuse. He didn't need to. Now, you and I know. You know the trouble with perfect people, don't you? The trouble with perfect people, maybe you've got some of them in your own home, is they're insufferable. They're often smug. They're always pointing out what you've done. So perfect all the time. There's such a pain. But not this one. You see verse 11? God says of him, you're my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. He's not just a public man. He's not just a perfect man. Mark's saying to us, he's a, he's a pleasing man. That's the verdict on him. It's one of the ways, well, he's saying to us, he's pleasing, you'll like him. It's one of the ways you spot someone, I think, who's really become a Christian. Someone who really knows this Jesus. They don't just believe in Jesus. They don't just think he's right. You, they begin to enjoy who he is. Enjoy what he does. You know Jesus that way? But come back for a moment to, to Mark's bigger point. Because he's saying, look, Jesus is good news. He really is good news for us. Because in a world where we can look and think everyone's a mess. And we can slightly despair in this new public man. A true humanity has been restored. If you want to know what it means to have real life, to find a life that you can really enjoy that's pleasing without any filters or acts to adjust the picture, Mark's saying, look at him. Look at him. Everything we are not, he is. That's the first thing. Here's the second and final thing. Everything we need, he gives. 
Have you noticed the way, maybe you've thought about it, maybe you've just felt it, as I said, have you noticed the way a good film helps you feel things? You might not have seen it. The film Sea Biscuit made me cry when a horse hurt its leg. Bizarre thing to happen. I was weeping. Somebody phoned me during it, and I said, hello, hello. Are you all right, David? Yeah, I'm just watching a, a film about a horse, and it's hurt its leg. All the feelings came up. You notice the way films, good films, can do that for you. Or, or the film Castaway. Some of you might remember that film. had me feeling a sense of kind of anguished loss. If you don't know the film, I mean, it's, it's getting quite old now. Tom Hanks is in it, and after a plane crash, he gets, he gets stuck on a desert island for years. And beyond the danger, I think in the film, the loneliness is the worst. He's got a volleyball, I think it is, that has Wilson in it. So he makes it his friend. He draws a face on it. And he spends his time on the island just talking to Wilson, even having arguments with Wilson. And then eventually, he thinks, after years, he builds a raft. It's going to be really risky. And he's going to take the raft just out into the ocean, the hope of being found. And he takes his best friend, Wilson, with him. And then there's a, there's a moment in the film where he's fallen asleep and he wakes up and he can't see Wilson. And Wilson has fallen into the sea and floats off. And he, he tries to get him back, but he's out of reach. And it's awful. It's that feeling of the thing you want, the thing you love. Yeah, for some of you, sorry, if that's a trigger, going back to all that. You, it's going to get worse. And he just can't reach it. it look, if you've not seen the film or you can't remember, here's a clip from it. Avert your eyes if you don't want to see it. Volume up. Wilson! Wilson! Wilson!
Now, why show that? Um, every time he cries out, I'm sorry, it gets me uh, every time. Why show that? Let me, let me tell you why. Because I think it's possible to be aware of what we're not and to be conscious of who Jesus is and still feel I can't have it. Uh, that your cries of I'm sorry won't bring about any change. To which Mark says, beloved, beloved, with Jesus, everything we need he gives. He is not the one floating away from you in the water. Mark is going to show us he is literally the one who has jumped into the water to come to you. Now look with me at this passage. Did you notice? As we read through it, everyone's being baptized by John, even Jesus in verse 9. Yet John says in verse 8, everyone needs to be baptized by Jesus. And if John's baptism is, is for the forgiveness of sins, then why does Jesus come to be baptized? Because he's perfect. Let, let me try and help you get this. The word baptize, it, it, comes up, it comes up a lot, five times in this reading. Mark wants us thinking about it. The, the word itself has a range of meanings. It can mean to submerge. Well, it used of a ship being sunk or, or washing clean, but it also carries the idea of being overwhelmed, this idea of being overwhelmed, one thing overwhelming another. And you keep that in mind, you look at these baptisms, verses 9 and 11, Jesus is the one who is loved by the Father and filled with the Spirit, and he comes to be baptized in the Jordan River. Now get the visuals of that. Symbolically, what's happening, the people have been coming to John at the Jordan, and he has been washing their sin away symbolically. If you like, the Jordan is just filled with their sins as they've been washed away. And then God's perfect Son steps into that sin-filled water, and John pours that water over him. And then back in verse 8, John said Jesus would baptize people with the Holy Spirit. That's a reference to our reading back in Ezekiel 36, when God promised the day when he'd come and bring real change to these people, wash away their sin, be their God, put his spirit within them, offer you real change, new life. What's being pictured here in this baptism, what's being pictured here is what Jesus has come to do. What's being pictured in the water is what Jesus will do in reality at the cross. He's come to let himself be overwhelmed with everything you do wrong in order to forgive you so that he can baptize you, overwhelm you graciously with new life, where his forgiveness becomes your assurance, where his Father becomes your Father, where his Spirit fills your life where your identity is grounded, is overwhelmed in his grace, knowing you're secure, always loved, God's spirit in you, or to say even more simply, everything we're not, he is, and everything we need, he gives. How are we to live, friends? when there's so much to overwhelm. This doesn't tell us everything, but begin here with the Lord Jesus who says, remember who you are, united to me. You're forgiven, loved by a heavenly Father, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pause.
to pray. Just have a moment to bring your own thoughts uh, to the Lord's.